If you combine pajamas and rubber boots to check on the barn, we welcome you. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome in on a Tuesday morning. I'm Stephanie Hoff along with you, filling in for Farm Director Pam Yonke. My gosh, the rain was coming down this morning. I expect to see some rainfall reports in the next 15 minutes to read on air when we get to our weather segment. You can text us how much rain you got at 877-301-FARM. Again, that is 877-301-3276. With rain comes mud. And with mud comes the potential to get a fine if you're making a mess on the road. We'll hear from the State Patrol this morning on some easy solutions for staying legal. The bigger news this morning is the weather that's to come along yet today, a big chance of snow in the Madison area. How long will that stick around and where are people going to see some white powder? We'll dive into that shortly. But don't forget, we're wrapping up the hour with market advisor John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing. Always some great information, so stick around. Here come the holidays, and if you want to make sure to put a smile on someone's face, start your shopping at Bavaria Sausage. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here for the whole crew at Bavaria Sausage. Corner of Nesbitt Road, Fitchrona Road in Fitchburg, open 24 hours a day, seven days a week online, BavariaSausage.com. If you want to make sure you're giving an authentic gift this season, start at Bavaria Sausage with their gift boxes. Wisconsin cheese, old world flavored sausage, all ready to go. And get your order in early so it arrives on time. How about taking a look at all their holiday hams that are available? And they've got all kinds of extra Christmas goodies that you can shop as well. When it comes to putting a smile on people's face during the holiday season, Start at Bavaria Sausage. Remember, they've got gift cards available for someone to use here or halfway around the world. That's what it's all about. Bavaria Sausage on the corner of Nesbitt Road, Fitchrona Road in Fitchburg, BavariaSausage.com. Always up early. Always getting the job done. Always working as hard as you can. Always pushing for more. Because you never settle. For farmers who seek outstanding performance they can count on, the only brand is DeKalb Corn. Featuring a broad portfolio of products, precision bred to maximize profit potential on every field. DeKalb brand. Never settle. See us at DeKalb.com. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Picture this. You, your firearm, and the challenge of a lifetime as you embark on a quest to bag the big one. No scratch that. That colossal 30-point buck, and you are the lucky hunter that harvests this legendary buck. But now what? Do you send it off to the processor after getting many photos to brag about to your friends? Well, why not process that deer yourself? I'm Charity Seebecker from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. Processing your own deer from field to that table can be a rewarding and fulfilling experience for many hunters. Emily Eel, hunting and shooting sports program specialist, for the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources, provide some tips on how you can do just that. I think a lot of people process their own meat just to continue that hunting experience from start to finish. So a lot of people find it really rewarding to be able to take an animal, be able to scout out, harvest an animal, and then take it all the way to the freezer and the table. So lots of people enjoy spending the time on it and dedication, and a lot of people find that it's really respectful for the animal if they do it themselves. A couple other benefits are a lot of time it's more cost-effective if you're harvesting multiple deer during a year. 
and it can also be more time effective. Um, so just depending on if you have the time to process it, you can get it back sooner possibly than taking it to a professional. So you coordinate and facilitate the DNR deer processing workshops. What kind of interest have you seen with those? So we started these workshops last year kind of as a pilot, and we saw a lot of interest, um, and they filled up. So we definitely wanted to continue those again this year. And I think as far as the interest and why it's really high, I think lots of people just don't have the experience of processing their own deer. The other things that we've been seeing are... I've heard just in calling around different processors and trying to schedule these with volunteers is that it seems like there's been a number of processors who have closed their doors. And so that drives more business to like a fewer number of professionals. So things get really busy. And every processor that I have talked to over the phone has said they don't have time to do anything except process deer, kind of late archery season, start the gun deer season, and then trying to catch up from that. So they have a ton of work to do. And again, it can be expensive to have multiple deer process. And there's a lot of benefits to doing it yourself. So the people who have been signing up, it's been really interesting. They have all different levels of hunting experience. So we get people who have been hunting their entire lives and maybe have processed their own deer and who are just looking for more tips and tricks. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we've gotten almost entire classes full of people who are novice hunters or who have never hunted before and want to start learning how to do that when they do have the opportunity from harvesting their own deer. And we've been seeing people drive, like every class, there's been a significant number of people who have driven from like two hours away, which I think it demonstrates the interest. As we all know, weather here can be quite different from day to day. And so (laughs) as a hunter, you might be getting a deer on a really cold day, or it might be a really warm one, depending on that day of that hunting season. How does that impact what they do in order to make sure that the deer they harvest doesn't spoil? If you have a really warm day, you're going to want to make sure your meat is cooled down as soon as possible. So field dressing it as soon as you can is really helpful. And then if you need to, like packing ice into the body cavity can help cool the meat down quickly or um, packing ice around it and putting tarps over the deer if you have to travel with it for a while. You've got your deer, you're in the woods, field dressing it. What's next? Hanging it up is always helpful in helping the meat cool down. So it's nice if you can get it hung up just in a, a reasonable amount of time. One thing you'll want to look out for is if you've maybe hit the deer a little bit far back. You'll just want to look for like any smelly type of things that got on the meat. And if if there is, then if you can rinse it out quickly enough, you can tend to save it. So what equipment is needed to be able to really process your meat at home? You can process the entire deer with like a four to six inch semi-stiff boning knife, but sometimes it's nice to have a loppers on hand um, just to take the lower legs off at the joints. And then if you are bagging the deer up for disposal, sometimes it's easier to cut things up a little bit and the loppers can be handy there. 
But otherwise, the basic things you'll need are a way to hang the deer up. So a gambrel and either a rope and pulley or um, at our deer processing workshops, we use a hitch hoist, which is just kind of like a winch that goes into the hitch of your vehicle. And you can do that right outside and you don't need like a garage to hang the deer up in if you don't have that tarps or cardboard underneath the deer uh, to catch anything is nice or some other sort of floor covering. Gloves are nice. Not everybody uses gloves when they process their deer, but there's no shame in it for you know any reason. You'll want to sharpen your knife before it's dull. So just like every so often, run it through the sharpener or run a steel across it. But otherwise, for packaging, there's kind of two or three different methods. You can wrap the meat and the cuts in saran wrap and then wrap it up in butcher paper. Um, you can even use gallon Ziploc bags. Uh, if you kind of take all the air out, that prevents freezer burn. Or we use a vacuum sealer and vacuum bags, and that really sucks all the air out um, and minimizes the risk of freezer burn for the meat. And now when it comes to that actual processing, is there anything that people should know when doing it themselves at home for safety or any cuts even that they should know to maybe get rid of? The biggest piece of advice I have is don't be afraid to practice and just cut up the deer and get it packaged because the more you do it, the more you'll be able to see how the deer comes apart. But the general overview that we give is that before you hang up the deer, you're going to want to remove the lower legs at the knee joint. And then you'll hang the deer up by placing the arms of the gambrel between the Achilles tendon and the bone. So there's a pretty prominent tendon on the back leg that you make. It's like a tendon, basically skin, and then bone. And you'll cut the skin between the tendon and the bone and hang the deer up from there. And if you cut that tendon then there's almost no way that you can hang the deer unless you turn it around and hang it from the kind of the head down. So we recommend hanging it bottom down with the gambrel between the Achilles tendon and the bone. Then you'll take the skin off the deer. One recommendation I have there is try not to cut across the hair with your knife because that really dulls the blade. But you can make like a couple cuts up the inside of the leg and skin from the inside of the deer sort of outside and peel the skin off that way. That really saves your knife. You'll cut the tail off at the joint and then you'll skin the deer all the way down to the base of the skull or the neck. And you can either cut the head off kind of at the joint of the atlas and the axis, so right where the head meets the neck bones, or if you want to CWD test your deer, you'll leave about five inches of the neck and cut the head off further down the neck. After you've got the skin and the head off, you'll take a look for the tenderloins and the back straps. So the tenderloins are located inside the body cavity, right up against the spine, sort of in the, the loin area. And then the back straps are against the spine on the back of the deer. After you've got those out, you can remove the shoulders and the hindquarters. So basically, that's just sort of getting them off however you can. So once you've got those off, you can trim them up. And the shoulders, there's really not a ton of specific cuts in there. So it's really just like 
taking the meat off as you can, and a lot of that can go into the grind pile. For the hindquarters, there's three big muscle groups. So there's the top round, the bottom round, and the football roast. Those are the main cuts that you would get, and it's a, it's a significant part of the hindquarters. So most people package those up whole or cut them into little steaks or chops. Once you've got the hindquarters and the shoulders trimmed up, you can sort of trim up the rest of the deer. So that could be any of the meat on the flank, neck, and ribs. But a lot of the time, people use the meat that they get from those areas for grinding. What tips or regulations should people know when it comes to packaging? I think the main thing is that you'll want to limit the amount of air touching the meat. So you can wrap it in butcher paper, and a really good way to get the air out is to wrap it tightly in saran wrap first. Same thing with Ziploc bags or vacuum sealers. It's sort of the same concept that you want to get as much of the air out of there as you can. That was Emily Eel hunting and shooting sports program specialist for the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources along with us. As the 2023 gun deer hunt season is underway, be sure to be safe out there and use these helpful processing tips as you bag that 30-pointer. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Charity Seebecker. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Renai tankless water heaters. The number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state-of-the-art, energy-efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory-extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present, or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage, finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face. William Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. If your conversations always start with the weather, welcome to the Midwest Farm Report. 
And I bet a lot of our conversations this morning are going to be talking about the snow. So when I came into the office today, a lot of rain that has since turned into white flakes. Snowflakes also seen in Cambria for about an hour now is what I was told on our rainfall report this morning. Our rainfall report number is 877-301-FARM. Stu Muck along with us, our ag meteorologist. Stu, what have you seen so far when it comes to rain amounts before we talk snow? All right. Well, rain has been pretty simple. I see 32 hundredths of an inch at Madison, 13 hundredths of an inch at Fond du Lac, and I saw Sheboygan weighing in with 16 hundredths of an inch. Didn't get out to my gauge this morning, got a little behind schedule, but uh, it hasn't been all that heavy. It is mixing somewhat. I mean, you look at the weather radar this morning to see rain the heaviest in far southeast Wisconsin, Racine, Kenosha, up toward Milwaukee, and then a little mix of precipitation, indicating some over Lake Winnebago, some between the uh, Madison and Oshkosh area, and a little snow further northwest. What we have is a cool front trying to pull into western Wisconsin today. That accounts for a little rain as well in far western Wisconsin down into south-central Minnesota. Low pressure heading across southern parts of Indiana and up toward Ohio today. We'll keep precipitation in the picture as we head through today, especially in the east, drier in the west. Lacrosse probably out of the woods. No talk of precipitation there. Maybe just a sprinkle at Mauston, but this will all end. And the temperatures do their best to stick around normal yet today and tomorrow and then start to cool. Not too drastic, but a little cooler for Thanksgiving Day and cooler as we head toward Friday, but it does stay dry. Once today's precipitation does clear out and end, and it will end from west to east through the day. I'll have forecast details right after this. Microbials play a critical role in the health and vitality of livestock. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, veterinarian and founder of BioVet, your leading source for high-quality microbial and nutritional products that support growth, health, and production in livestock. Listen to our Microbials Matter podcast at bio-vet.com. As experts discuss health, digestion, and support for livestock, visit bio-vet.com and click on podcast. Innovation, that's BioVet. You know how it goes, Stu. It takes a while for us to adjust to the first couple of snows, especially for the crazy drivers out there. For folks who are seeing those white flakes falling from the sky, anything we need to know about how long it's going to stick and how how long it's going to or how much it's going to measure up to? Well, it's not going to be much for accumulation. We know about that, Stephanie. I mean, we're still at that time. Uh, ground temperature isn't that cold. You know, we were still all in the 40s yesterday. And even though we cooled down to about freezing or at least in the 30s overnight, I don't think we're going to see any uh, real ice accumulation or snow buildup. But some snowflakes could fall in parts of central and southeast Wisconsin with raindrops today. Cloudy skies, all of us probably holding in the, call it mid-40s, 44, 45 degrees, with the north winds at 5 to 15. Mostly cloudy skies overnight. And we're going to fall back to the upper 20s. The northwest winds 5 to 15. And then sunny and dry for Wednesday. A fine day in that low to mid 40 range. 44, 45 degrees again. Northwest winds 5 to 15 become southwest a bit later in the day. And then Thursday, Thanksgiving Day, mostly sunny. Very low 40s with the north winds at 5 to 15. And if I had to look ahead and say the next time we get precipitation, Stephanie, that may not happen until we find our way on toward a little later in Sunday. And even then, it looks like only some very light activity if it makes its way here. 
So a dry but cool Thanksgiving this year, Stu. But have you seen, for folks who are traveling, is there anything on your radar that, that folks should be aware of happening around the nation real quick? Heading toward the East Coast would be the biggest concern because they're going to get that rain that we see right now, the rain and snow mix, and there could be some freezing. So if you're heading toward New England, the East Coast, pay a little more attention. All right, Stu. Well, you have a happy Thanksgiving. Pam Yankee will be back with you again tomorrow. All right. Well, you take care. All right. Stu Muck along with us, our egg meteorologist. And if you want to get in touch with us through our talk text line, just send us a message at 877-301-FARM. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. How is it that we can have smokers' lines without ever smoking? A skincare minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Smokers or lip lines can occur not only because of smoking, but other factors, such as talking, drinking from a straw, genetics, and age related fat loss. The most simple and effective treatment for this problem is a combination of dermal fillers such as Juvederm, which can smooth and fill those fine lines as well as hydrate the lips. Also, a neuromodulator such as Botox can be used in small amounts to relax those pursing muscles. At Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie, this treatment results in a natural, more youthful appearance of the mouth and often lasts a year or longer. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few. The proud. The Marines. Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go? Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices. Something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry. One-of-a-kind pieces. Diamonds. Engagement rings. Traditional and modern styles. And you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. Have you ever had an MRI through the hospital where you're crunched inside a scary tube-like tunnel? MH Imaging in Middleton provides the spacious comfort of a completely open design MRI, the most updated concept in MRIs. It's an open MRI, open for everyone, regardless of insurance or doctor affiliation, for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And the results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit MHImaging.com. At Berkshire Automotive, we have a non-commissioned sales team, which is a polite way to say we don't really care whether you buy a practical Equinox, the rugged Silverado, or the speedy new Corvette. You've been told no before? Join the Berkshire Automotive family for the yes. At Berkshire Automotive, we teach our people to take no out of the vocabulary. Is no in your vocabulary? Uh, no. No isn't a thing at Berkshire Automotive. Join the Berkshire Automotive family for the yes. Join the Berkshire. 
Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They totally wreck your bathroom, swindle you out of a ton of money, then disappear into the dark of night. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who completes the job as promised, is cost-conscious, then leaves you with a sweet thank you note. Swipe right, and let's get the conversation started with a free consultation. ActuateLLC.com. Design. Create. Actuate. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play Would You Rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with Liuna that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to liunawisconsin.org join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt. All over the weekend, Brewers fans, another tough blow. But Rowdy's here to tell you otherwise. He can he can soothe you. You can ease the tension, baby. Brandon Woodruff non-tendered as uh, becomes a free agent. And a lot of Brewers fans online are like, the Brewers are making it really hard to be a fan right now. With, you know, Council leaving, and then Woody now a free agent. Rowdy Telez also uh, non-tendered. Rowdy, ease, ease the folks. Which so, is- obviously, Brandon Woodruff... Early in the season, remember, he only pitched in 11 games last year. Now, when he did pitch, he was phenomenal. And Brandon Woodruff, for the most part, since 2017, when he got called up in uh, yeah 2017, he had been the most solid, sturdy starter the Milwaukee Brewers had basically had, even you know since came up in 2017, made some starts. 28 teams, same thing, kind of started uh, making more of a role for himself as a starter and a relief pitcher. Obviously you remember the home run off Clayton yeah, Kershaw. Oh, who could forget? And then 2019 him Peralta and Burns were all introduced into the starting rotation officially for the first time. And he's the only one since then that had been a hundred percent consistent from 2019 through 2023. Yeah. Now it sucks that they didn't tender him. I get it. But at the same time, remember at the beginning of the year, he had a shoulder capsule issue where he decided to take the two, three months off, which he did. He came back. He pitched the last couple months. And then, of course, literally the worst news the Brewers could have possibly gotten is he hurts that shoulder capsule again right before the postseason. Yeah, bummer. The rest we all know is is history. He can't pitch. Well, that shoulder capsule, some of the things that you can do for it, it's very closely related to, the, to your labrum and your... Um, 
your labrum, and your rotator cuff. Your cuff. And as a pitcher, clearly that's pretty important. Yeah, you need those. And when you when you first start having those type of injuries, you have a few things that you can do, but one of them is, is resting it with PT and rehab, mm-hmm. which is what they did. But when it flares up again, that's normally when you need to have surgery. Yeah. And when you're a pitcher, rotator cuff, labrum, shoulder capsule type surgery, there's no guarantee that you come back. This, this is worse as of right now for major league pitchers than a Tommy John surgery because Tommy John has been you know so perfected over the years it used to be a death sentence yeah and now it's like well guys come back in a year and they're throwing harder than they used to yep well this is the 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 worst one and a guy that most Brewer fans would know who I'm referring to would be Jimmy Nelson had a very similar issue Mm -hmm. Jimmy Nelson at best has come back in his career and remember that took multiple years Jimmy Nelson at best has been an average relief pitcher since. And it took, again, two to three years to get to being an average relief oh, man. pitcher. When he went at to the best. Dodgers, he stunk. The Dodgers didn't even tender him yeah, he either. So he's. But that's what can happen. Now you're looking at it from the Brewers' perspective. It's a guy that's got one year left of arbitration. You would have probably have paid him at least 11 to 12 million dollars mm-hmm. and he would have been rehabbing for 11 to 12 million dollars or you could uh non-tender him let him go become a free agent well i thought initially when looking at it the milwaukee brewers they probably could have tried to sign him to like a two or three year deal and then i rethought about it and i think like a, a three-year deal would have made the most sense because if you would have signed him to a two-year extension you would have still had to have paid him the 11 or 12 million for arbitration. That would have been just for him to rehab. Mm-hmm. Then you would have had to have thrown, I would guess at least $20 million per season probably would be the low point. Mm. And then we don't even know if he's going to come back yeah, and be good, good or, not. or not. And he only pitched in 11 games last year in which a season you won 92 games. You would be put, you would be really rolling the dice with who you're giving big contracts to, especially after throwing all that money at Yelly and him being below average for a big, a good chunk of that contract so far. You couldn't afford to strike out on that contract. If you did, that would be another anchor around the Brewers' neck forever trying to compete. Yeah. And I think at best, you throw him that three-year deal, it would have, we'll just say $45, $50 million, $5 million to rehab, and then it's the $20, $25 million per year. But again, you're rolling the dice to see if, if he can come back and be Brandon Woodruff again. Not saying he can't. I love Woody. I, yeah, he's the man. We yeah, love Woody. By all accounts, great person, great pitcher. But it's just the crappy situation. Can the Brewers afford to roll the dice It like couldn't that? have happened at a worse time. Did the chickens come home to roost last night? We'll find out. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Welcome back on a Tuesday morning. I'm Stephanie Hoff along with you filling in for Farm Director Pam Yonke. Before the rain hit today, the last week consisted of mostly warm and windy conditions across the state. And this helped dry both fields and crops and allowed farmers to really get going on harvest and tillage. This is according to the latest crop progress and condition report from the USDA's National Agricultural Statistics Service. The corn for grain harvest was 78% done. That's two days ahead of last year and a day ahead of the five-year average. Moisture content of this corn was 20%. The soybean harvest is about wrapped up, especially in southern Wisconsin. Statewide, the harvest is about 94% done. 
and 94% of the winter wheat crop has emerged. Winter wheat condition is rated 65% good to excellent across the state. That's down 3% from last week. A Wisconsin crop that doesn't get included in these progress reports, but are very important, especially this time of year, are Christmas trees. Yesterday, I stopped at Hans Christmas Farm in Oregon, just south of Madison. You can see pictures of my visit at Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook and Instagram. Greg Han is the second generation on the family Christmas tree farm. And if you're wondering if it's anything like a Hallmark movie, I can tell you they work a lot harder in real life. Greg tells me how the crop looks ahead of their busiest season of the year, which is the weekend after Thanksgiving. Yeah, actually, we are open on Thanksgiving Day here at this specific farm. But as Christmas tree farms across the state, yeah, they get busy the day after Thanksgiving. I mean, boom, it just starts hit uh, off air. We were kind of talking about Black Friday and how they've stretched Black Friday out into this two-week stretch of Black Friday. So uh, 20 years ago, we used to see nobody on Black Friday because they used to wait in lines and do that kind of thing. And now um, Black Friday is probably our busiest day. And you said it, it keeps getting busier every year, especially since the pandemic, because people really took an interest in real trees again. Are you expecting that again for the 2023 season? Yeah, it's great for agriculture. Um, You know, this is a specialty crop. The USDA sees it as a specialty crop. We have our own checkoff program, actually. So, yeah, it's it's nice to see that people are interested in our crop now. Uh, We really enjoy that people understand the benefit to growing a Christmas tree here in Wisconsin, the benefit of the natural habitat that it gives us. Um, So, yeah, we're seeing a huge uptick still. Uh, COVID was fantastic. Fantastic! One of the industries that it was good for because people could get out and get a live tree. And we saw a lot of people putting those artificial trees in the dumpster. So that was nice for our industry. And you've been open for the past couple of weeks, correct? When do you really kick things off and what have you seen so far in terms of demand? So yeah, we're one of the few that opened November 1st. We've always opened November 1st just because we're here making some wholesale wreaths. Um, and it just gets earlier. People want them earlier. But on the other side, the religious part of Christmas, um, unfortunately, has kind of went away for some of these people where they're taking that tree down right on the 26th of December. So they don't have it up through the Epiphany or anything like that. So they're getting it earlier, um, just like we see with all the holidays, decorate earlier and take it down as soon as it's over. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned about the length that the, the tree can or cannot stay up. When people have it at home with them, how long does a real tree typically last? Uh, it should easily last in that six, seven weeks. Um, so that shouldn't be an, a concern. There's always products on the market that you can put in your water. Uh, people ask me that all the time. Uh, we sell a product called Forest Fresh. It's a tablet that you put in. There's other tree preservatives also on the market that that uh, do help extend your life of your tree. Uh, the key to that, though, is making sure that you had a fresh cut on the tree. If you cut it yourself or if you even go to a lot or different farms, make sure you cut that inch, inch and a half off of the stump of the tree so that the water will uptake a little bit better because it does seal off. Just like if you're clipping a branch on a tree in your house, you see that sap come out and that seals off that wound. That's the same thing as when you cut a Christmas tree. So always do a fresh cut within an hour, hour and a half of putting it into water in your home. 
These trees are what, eight eight years old this year's crop? Yeah, this year's crop is eight years old, eight, nine, ten, depending on the height that you have. Uh, a lot of people with the drought as uh, cash croppers and, you know, even dairy farmers know that we had a, a rough drought this year. So that really did hurt our first and second year trees. But once that tree gets to that three foot size, it can handle being a little drier. We had a great fall, uh, maybe again, not for the corn farmer, but we had a great fall for our ourselves because those four or five inch rains that we had in late September, those tall eight foot trees just suck that water right up. And it's great for harvest time because those trees have water in them. So they're not, they're not stressed to begin with. So I think we'll have a great year of uh, needle retention in your home once you take that tree home. We're visiting with Greg Han with Han's Christmas Farm in Oregon, Wisconsin, just south of Madison. I'll be posting the full conversation with Greg at MidwestFarmReport.com on our podcast page. Stick around for a look at our commodity markets coming up next. Protivate Nutritional Seed Enhancer is an 80-20 talc graphite replacement that provides the critical nutrients corn and soybeans need for early and uniform emergence. Learn more at GetGreaterGrowth.com. With rain comes mud, and with mud comes the risk of getting a fine if you track a mess onto the roads. Lieutenant Bill Berger joins us this morning from the Wisconsin State Patrol, and he reminds us that leaving mud and manure on the road is illegal. He's got strategies for how to stay clean so you don't get a $200 fine. The best thing that farmers can do when dealing with this is to just minimize the debris tracked on the roadway in the first place. And some recommendations would be to basically manually scrape off the tires in the field with an ice scraper. Something pretty simple. This is especially easy if the implement has flotation tires without heavy lugs, tire tread lugs. And then before returning to the roadway, travel along the edge of the field in grass if if available. Basically, they want to try to fling off some of that mud in those areas in the field prior to getting to the driveway. The faster they can travel in the field, the more effective uh, that's going to be. If mud or manure does wind up on the roadway, should farmers be cleaning it off themselves? We see farmers do that. We've seen it with um, some construction sites as well. Those, those things that we just talked about, okay, the farmer's done what they could, but they've still tracked a lot of mud on the roadway. It is common that farmers will try to clean off the roadway themselves with a skid loader or mechanical broom. But there's some things that they need to consider before doing this. Technically, this work would be considered uh, doing work within the highway right-of-way. So technically, this would require a right-of-way work permit from a regional DOT highway office for cleaning any state or federal highway. If the road cleaning is taking place on a township or county highway, those local officials should be contacted prior to any cleaning. I guess with that being said, even though the the farmers should be contacting the officials in charge of the maintenance of the roadway, I'm not so sure they're always going to be doing that. Anytime they leave debris on on the roadway uh, or attempt to remove the debris off the roadway, you have liability concerns that they need to be considering. When removing the debris from the roadway, they should be conscious of safety considerations for the equipment operator in the general motoring public. Um, They should be choosing a time when there's low traffic volume. They need to consider sight distances and natural obstructions such as hills or curves, which may prevent oncoming traffic from seeing them. The equipment should have flashing warning lamps operating. They really should have a spotter to watch for oncoming traffic. And then that spotter 
for safety reasons, should be wearing a safety vest and have an orange or red flag that they can wave to garner the attention of that oncoming traffic. I would say that, you know, the State Patrol doesn't endorse farmers clearing the roadway themselves. Anytime you're working the roadway, it's in, inherently dangerous. We would prefer to see the highway departments perform this type of work when it gets to that level because they have the training, the experience, and the equipment to perform this task safely. Lieutenant Bill Berger along with us with some important reminders about safety and keeping the roadways clean. Again, you could get slapped with a $200 fine if you track mud, manure, or other debris onto the roads. In other news, the cool forecast this week could bring on some runny noses. But if you find that your chickens get the sniffles or a cough, it could be a sign of a larger problem. Highly pathogenic avian influenza, otherwise known as bird flu, is back. Wisconsin found its first case of the year in a backyard flock in Taylor County. And over the past month, Iowa, Michigan, and Minnesota have also announced new cases of avian flu. The state agriculture department is asking you to enforce biosecurity measures to protect your birds from the virus. Some of these measures are as simple as washing your hands. You can learn more at MidwestFarmReport.com. And now let's take a look at our grain prices this morning. Tuesday from Chicago, December corn is up a penny at four seventy and a half. January soybeans are up seven and a half cents at thirteen seventy four and three quarters. Cash wheat is up a half a penny at five forty four a bushel, and July new crop wheat is also up half a penny at six dollars and half a cent. Turning our heads to dairy, the December class three milk contract is up a nickel at sixteen forty three a hundredweight. The January Class 3 milk contract is trading up 8 cents at 16.61 a hundredweight. On the close yesterday, barrel cheese was down a nickel at $1.51. The 40-pound block cheese remained unchanged from last week Thursday at $1.60, and AA butter closed up 2 and 3 quarter cents at 2.51 and 3 quarters. Don't go away, John Heinberg from Total Farm Marketing joins us next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A Skincare Minute with skincare expert Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural looking results you desire. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh, that needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local. William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. 
Roofing, windows, gutters, siding, and decks. Can Legacy do it? You bet. Better prices, better warranties. Legacy always makes it easy. Go to Legacy-Exteriors.com. Legacy Exteriors. Just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home. Bringing home the bacon. Literally. This is the Midwest Farm Report. And as promised, our live guest this morning is market advisor John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. They're easy to find online at totalfarmmarketing.com. And John, I think we're going to start where we normally do, right? With the crop progress report from USDA. I know that we're on the last legs of the harvest here in Wisconsin. So I'd assume, you know, does this report really sway the marketplace at all? We're at the stage now where pretty much moved through all those bushels uh, that need to kind of be moved. You know, just look at the last numbers. Bean harvest isn't even reported anymore. It's basically done uh, on a national level. Corn harvest at 93% now. So, you know, we're looking at basically these last uh, remaining bushels. I know here in Wisconsin, still quite a bit out there as uh, the wet weather and crops just not drying down. You know, it's really kind of slowed the process. We're actually one of those, still one of the biggest laggards in the whole pile. You know, but that is one thing we've been still Still dealing with lately though in terms of the phone calls that we're getting guys just got extra bushels and you know this crop and especially on the corn side came in better than we anticipated and people are wondering what to do with those extra supplies whether we should just move them out right now you got a lot of things that come into play does it pay to store the grain is it a better move just to sell the grain at this time frame and reown it on paper you know so those are a lot of the conversations we're having with our clients at this time frame well john what is your advice do you hold on to it or do you sell it you know, it does fall into each individual situation. Now, right now, I'm not a big fan of storing grain. First off, you got high storage costs that that come into play. We got a market that's got carry in the market. We're already seeing how it's acting. You know, here does December corn price went down, touched the September price. We bled that carry out. Do we see that happen now when March becomes the lead month compared to the December? You know, we got 18 cents a carry from December to March in the marketplace. You know, if we lose that value, plus throw in the higher interest costs this year realistically for the producer to put that risk on and watch a price fall away from them is kind of risky and and in that regard you know and financially may not pay off as well now one thing i am recommending strongly though if you do decide to store it make sure you're using some type of a flooring mechanism to put a floor underneath that price so that carry doesn't go away from you and you leave yourself vulnerable to paying both storage costs interest costs and losing your market price So the corn market a little sluggish over the past couple weeks just because of those extra bushels. On the soybean side of the equation, though, John, we've seen uh, some rally to start the week. And tell me, uh, yeah, what's, what's driving that? Yeah, we got a lot of volatility in the soybean market tied to the South American weather forecast and what's going on with Brazil as well as Argentina. You know, we did pick up some rain in some key areas of Brazil, but again, the coverage wasn't overly heavy and the forecast models are staying on the warmer and drier side. So we're going to see some production losses out of Brazil. The question will be how much and what's that do to the overall picture? You know, Argentina weather is looking very good at this time frame or improving to the point that they come back could come back to full production 
formation, which could easily absorb those Brazilian bushels lost. So we still could see a pretty good pile of beans coming out of South America in general this spring. So that has me a little cautious to be market in the longer term. But in the shorter term, with those lack of Brazilian bushels uh, possibly coming down the pipeline, some logistics issues that are occurring because of the dry weather, you know, they have their own river issues on the Amazon and transporting uh, those bushels around to get them to export ports. That's bringing some uh, improved premium into the soybean market as it keeps our demand window open just a little bit longer. You know, we've gotten to the stage in the soybean market because of those South American supplies that this window realistically from the 1st of September to about the 1st of January is our time to kind of shine in terms of the export market and getting beans sold and getting things shipped out. And if the, the weather prevents planting, pushes things back in South America, that opens up that window just a little bit more for us. And because of our tight domestic supply here and our domestic demand, we're seeing some decent strength in the soybean market, snapping back well off yesterday's lows, getting some follow through so far yesterday, uh, so far this morning. You know, as you know, John, we were in Kansas City for the last half of, of last week uh, for our National Association of Farm Broadcasting Conference. We were in front of a lot of agriculture groups at that conference. A lot of our commodity groups, their biggest concern for 2024 has been improving the export market for, you know, corn and beans. And John, I didn't know if, if you could update us on, you know, just how much those exports influence our grain markets today. You know, I know it's not the majority, at least in terms of corn, uh, in terms of bushels that we move, uh, but it does have a driver in price. You know, we had weekly export inspections yesterday. Currently, corn export inspections year over year are up about 24%. You know, we expect the USDA's forecast that number to be even higher. So the corn export program is behind its game right now. Now, this is not the window that we normally uh, ship corn. This is our soybean window. And there we're sitting about 15.9 million metric tons. That's down 8% year over year so we're really missing some business that's in these in those two markets and i'm not even going to touch on the wheat market which we're seeing some of the, the lowest exports in in history here in the last few last few year, or weeks uh just really making it difficult for that wheat market to find any traction you know again it's only one portion of the usage you know realistically for corn about 13 percent gets shipped out where beans it's a, a lar larger percentage of our production gets shipped out but without those bushels that are moving it adds to the balance sheet and right now for especially on the corn side the balance sheet is still relatively heavy and we need every bushel we can get moving and that's still something that concerns me longer term in the corn market is just the concerns we're seeing on the demand front from the export market and when it comes to moving that grain, John, in the last 30 seconds here, what can you tell us on the status of the Mississippi River levels, uh, you know, rail strikes or derailments or, or shortage on rail? How are we moving this grain? Well, the river is still the biggest driver in that. We're seeing the river levels come back down again. So that's just preventing things from moving as freely as we could down to the Gulf. But we're getting a lot of stuff out of the Pacific Northwest via rail. So that's one of our bigger factors. But just all those different issues cause increased costs, which make us less competitive. John Heinberg along with us, market advisor with Total Farm Marketing out of West Bend. They're easy to find online at totalfarmmarketing.com. Pam Yonke will be back with you tomorrow morning. Our top story looking at rural health in Wisconsin. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.